0: Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous lineup of pre owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great service department, a sales staff that works with you. That's why they have so much repeat business. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Keir, which 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Greg Murphy in a moment. First, our play by play call today. Franz Wagner airballed one and then threw up a prayer at the wire. Got it. What pressure, VA? Oh, What pressure. Jawan Howard has one more timeout. Yep. Juzang. And. Oh, he missed it. Timeout. Timeout is called. Smith's got it. Across the midcourt line. Smith's going to pull a three. This is for the lead. No. And did it expire? The officials look up. Enough for a catch and shoot. Dickinson will put it in. There's a the catch. Here's the shot. Wagner off the glass. No. Oh,
1: it's over. And UCLA from the first four
2: to the final four
0: like VCU in 2011. Uh, Brian Anderson, the, the call one with Jim Jackson on TBS last night at Lucas Oil Stadium. Look, I was just happy for Michigan uh, and Michigan fans because I think that's the first time between the Big Ten tournament and the NCAAs that any of the Michigan fans have ever been to Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh. Okay. With that we bring in Greg Murphy. Murph, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us as we uh, look forward to what's going to be a great podcast.
1: It's great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm very excited about uh, kicking off this new venture.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, the ideas come out from all sorts of places. Sunbury Broadcasting is right in the thick of this particular idea when it was presented to you. What ran through your mind with ideas?
1: You know, it, it, it's always fun, as you know, to be able to kind of make a living talking about sports. And, and so, when the idea was presented, hey, what about starting a podcast? I thought to myself, yeah, why not? You know, I've, I've had the opportunity over the years to talk to so many players, active players, retired players, and 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 just listening to them tell their stories about the days that uh, when they were in uniform and playing, and the way they're able to bring it back in such great detail. Um, I've always marveled at that and I've always enjoyed listening to the, to the guys tell the stories. So I thought, why not? Why not get a chance to, to let some other folks hear these stories as well? So that, that's really the idea behind Glove Stories. Um, let these guys come on and, and, and tell a couple stories about their playing days and kind of let people in to the inside the clubhouse that, that not everybody gets a chance to see all the time. And you know when you talk to athletes about their playing days, they can go on forever about uh, about all the good things that happened. So it's always a lot of fun to hear them talk.
0: The fish was that big.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but,
0: but Greg, when you're sitting there and you're you're talking with Mike Schmidt and he's telling stories, or you're sitting there with a Charlie Manuel and he's telling stories, how difficult is it for you sometimes to maybe come up with a question? where maybe you're saying yourself, I don't think they've ever been asked this before when they've been asked so many questions. How, how challenging is that? Because you just want to change up a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I do think that that is the challenge, and that is the, the, uh, the idea behind what we're trying to do is get these guys to maybe tell some stories that, you know, haven't been told time and time again. And, you know, some guys are really good at that. Other guys, you really have to uh, push and pull and and kind of get things out of. But, you know, Steve, what I find myself in talking to these guys sometimes is I get caught up in the moment and I forget that I'm, I'm running the podcast and that I, I have to come up <laughs> with that next question because I'm so, it, I'm just listening to the stories that they're telling and, and enjoying them myself. So, you know, that's, that's a part of it as well. But when you get a chance to, to talk to Mike, you know, the best player ever to put on the uniform for the Phillies. It, those kinds of, of moments, um, you know, they kind of just speak for themselves. And then when Charlie, who I spent a couple of years with while, you know, with the team and uh, Charlie was the manager, you know, he, he can talk about baseball 24-7 uh, and, and his recall is unbelievable. So getting a chance to kind of relive the 2008 season, which we're going to do with Charlie kind of game by game. Throughout the podcast um, is going to be a lot of fun because if, if people haven't heard Charlie just kind of wax poetically about his time as the manager of the Phils, you're in for a real treat because he loves to talk about it. He loves to tell the stories, and he's just got that engaging personality.
0: Also, there's another part that I, pick, I people may not realize: Charlie's a brilliant mind, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and that's you know a brilliant baseball mind. What does it take to? It doesn't sound like it takes much to do it, but what does it take to tap into that so that the listener is richer for listening to it?
3: Yeah, that's
1: the key, and you know Charlie is is exactly as you describe. I mean, he really understands the game at a at a different kind of level than most people. Um, and you know, I don't know that he always got a fair shake when it came to that kind of uh, description about his baseball knowledge. But people around the game, and people who know Charlie, and people who have had a chance to sit and talk baseball with him, you figure it out pretty quickly just how locked in he is to this game and how he sees it. A little bit differently than everybody else. And, um, you know, so it's so much fun to try and, and, and get that out of him. And, uh, you know, he, he gets so excited. And when I'm sure you've talked to Charlie before, and he, when he starts to tell stories, he kind of gets <laughs> excited. And, and sometimes he rambles on a little bit about different things. But when you, when you listen to what he's saying and how he's explaining it and breaking down someone's swing or talking about a particular game, it really is kind of remarkable, and and you you do see what kind of what kind of baseball mind that you're dealing with. And and Larry Bo is going to be doing the same thing for us for the 1980 season. We're going to relive games from the 1980s, uh, the 1980 season, and he's a, very similar in that regard, his recall and his ability to tell the story. So we've really lucked out with getting Charlie and Larry uh, on board on every podcast.
0: So much of this job too is about relationships. As you're putting these podcasts together, how much has it helped over time that you've built personally some great relationships with the individuals you talk to, Murph, that then allows the conversation to flow better?
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's key. You know, I'm lucky enough to to know most of these guys. Um, you know, a little bit better than than maybe some other folks do. I've spent so much time in and around the organization, on the airplane, in team hotels, and and you do develop uh, relationships that way. And so I think you know I think they trust me, which is a, which is a good thing. And yes i i have yeah i have the ability i think to kind of reach them at a maybe like a little bit of a deeper level than than perhaps someone who's just covering them from the outside um we're gonna we're gonna sit down with mickey morandini um coming up next week and he's a guy that i got to know even better of course i watched him play when he was on the team in 93 and and but i got to know him as a coach when he was here with philadelphia and then after that um He's the commissioner of the Phillies' uh, Fantasy Week every year, and I go down to that. <laughs> and you get to know these guys on a whole different level, a personal level. Mickey's one of the great storytellers uh, that mm-hmm. I've come across. So I'm really excited to, to hear what he's going to bring uh, to the podcast next week.
0: Yeah, I remember him managing Williamsport, for goodness sakes. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and listening right. to him, it's like, holy mackerel. He's something <laughs> else. Yeah. Uh, Pat he's Peter's sneaky the same funny, way, too. Like, Very funny oh, guy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, he's got a dry sense of humor. Yeah. Very dry sense of humor he has. Uh, Also, with it being opening day, you've got one of the beat writers, Matt Breen, on. So you get an opportunity to swap back and forth your ideas about opening day.
1: Yeah, and the idea behind that is, uh, you know, after we've kind of looked back and been nostalgic about the Phillies franchise and some of the players, we're going to quickly touch base with some of the guys that are covering the team this year. And just get a feel for what's happening each week with, with the 2021 team because I think fans, you know, at the end of the day, love hearing the old stories but also, you know, want to hear some insight from the guys that are in and around that clubhouse each and every day. So we'll mix it up. We'll have uh, some of my old broadcaster buddies, Tom McCarthy, uh, Ben Davis, John Cruck will come on, and and some of the beat writers as well. So uh, just a little, little add-in at the end of the podcast just to stay connected to this year's team.
0: Yeah, and staying connected to this year's team, What's your initial thought going in? I mean, obviously, optimism reigns supreme, because on this particular (laughs) day, as I was kidding, the previous guest, the Pirates are tied for first. That's right. (laughs) But what's your thought on this particular team that they have right now?
1: You know, I I think they're going to be pretty good. the division is, is a bear. We all know that. The Braves are a terrific team. The Nats are are, are loaded uh, with starting pitching. Uh, the Mets lineup looks like, on paper, is going to be pretty darn good, and they've got Jacob DeGrom. So, you know, obviously you have your work cut out for you playing in the NL East. That said, I think, you know, they return a lineup that was one of the best in baseball last year at producing runs, and you have to believe they're going to have similar success this year and I think the rotation is a little bit deeper this year. I think Zach Eflin has figured out some things and and I think he's going to be a big part of this rotation. So, um, and and also I think, you know, you go down Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, it's a better starting rotation than it was a year ago at this time. And then obviously we know about the bullpen. It would have, but it would have been hard to go backwards, but I think they've taken (laughs) big strides going forward. So, you know, April's going to be tough. They're, they're, schedule is a bear coming right out of the gate uh, with the National League East. And you also have the Cardinals in there. Um, so it's going to be interesting in the month of April to see how they play. But I certainly think this team is talented enough to make it to the postseason, whether it be through a wild card or maybe even uh, catching those Braves and winning the division.
0: We're inching our way back to normal uh, normalcy along the way. So right now it's 50% as of uh, I think it's Sunday. It'll be fifty percent allowed yeah. mm-hmm. in uh, to ballparks. Just getting people back in—kind of difference. Just do you think that it just makes to the general feel of the ballpark for a player?
1: I, you know, it's interesting because I've talked to a couple of guys about it, and and you know, as well as anybody, that I think there there the time of taking fans for granted has has come and gone. You know, I, so many times. You'd have a packed ballpark, and and the, but there still be a disconnect between the players on the field, maybe and the fans. I think last year really showed these guys in uniform just how important it is to have those people in the in the seats cheering them on, um, you know, giving them the energy, that extra little bit uh, of that home field advantage. A lot of guys have remarked about how much they missed that, and how much they didn't realize how much they would miss it until it was gone. So. I think it's huge, and I think it's going to be, you know, across baseball league-wide, but everybody's going to get that, that extra juice back in their home ballpark. And and for the fans in Philadelphia who are going to get a chance to come down and watch the games, I, I'm thrilled for them because I know so many of them missed it so much. I know I certainly did, and uh, and I think – just getting back there and, and feeling that normalcy, as you said, is going to be great for, for all of us. And that's what sports does so many times. It, it, it kind of resets us back to normal, and that's what I love about it.
0: Glove Stories with Murph is uh, produced and distributed by Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation Media Partners. It's available on YouTube and can be downloaded on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other major podcast providers. Could not ask for a better host Greg, thank you so much. Appreciate the time and, and the work that you put into this.
1: Well, thanks, Steve. It's great to talk to you. I really appreciate uh, you having me on, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to this relationship uh, going on and on. So, thanks again for having me on, and uh, good go, Phils this year. Let's hope they uh, they do some good things.
0: Absolutely, Greg. Thank you, Greg Murphy. This is going to be a fabulous. This podcast uh, is going to be fabulous. I mean, look at episode one: love stories with Murph.
2: Yeah, that's not a bad way to kick it off.
0: Mike Schmidt, Charlie Manuel, Philly's beat writer, Matt Breen. It's a pretty good opening day podcast. Episode 1's release is tomorrow.
2: And then you'll be able to watch them too. Watch them on YouTube if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And then it's also going to be available on Eagle 107 before first pitch every Sunday starting this Sunday as well.
0: We'll come back with more in a moment, brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today on this Wednesday. Do you have snow in the forecast there tomorrow?
2: We do, unfortunately. Tonight yeah, we do too. With we rain. No,
0: oh, I'm teaching class this morning. I'm finished with class. And there are of course windows in the building. And I'm looking outside. I'm like, oh, it's poor. I mean, because I walk when I walked in from the parking deck. No issue. Nice, comfortable. But I prepared I brought a jacket with a hat that had a hood on. I'm halfway through class, I'm looking out, it is pouring. Now I see here we're gonna get an inch of snow here in State College tonight. Unreal. Inch of snow tonight. Now that's not the latest. I remember one time. I remember the date being May the 12th, getting three inches of snow. This is years ago, obviously. May the 12th, getting three inches of snow.
2: Well, being a Clarion grad, I had the occasional May snow myself many times.
0: Ah, yes, Clarion, that would happen, yes. That would happen. Now, here at Penn State, there was no spring break. So I'm talking to my students today and I said, look, next week on Monday and Wednesday we're going to really get into play-by-play work because your next project will be a play-by-play project. One of the students said, uh, there is no class Wednesday. I said, there's no class Wednesday. I said, what's Wednesday? Arbor Day? What?" <laughs> he said, no, it's a wellness day. Oh. I said, wow. I said, that's that's huge. I said I, I said I needed a break from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said a wellness day, really? Yeah, so wellness day. Now we had one here two weeks ago. It was a Thursday, so it didn't affect my class this time. I'm like, oh, okay.
2: Oh, that's for the COVID reasons, right? Because there's no spring breaks. Yes. Okay. Right. and
0: they don't, and they don't want to put the wellness days on a Monday or a Friday. Right, and the reason they don't want to put it on a Monday or a Friday is they're trying to keep it so that you're not taking three day weekends.
2: Exactly, Bucknell's doing the same thing. Yeah, uh, that's that's the reason why. Uh,
0: like, oh, okay, okay, so we'll do. So I push the project back a week. I mean, I don't care. I <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. We'll push it back a week. That's that's fine Yeah, I'm here to make your life easier. So it's all good. It's all good. Uh, the final four set for the men and the women. Men's final four of course is taking place in Indianapolis. The women taking place in San Antonio. The women will be Friday night at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Um, In fact, let me revise that. Friday night is going to be at 6 o'clock on ESPN. 6 o'clock ESPN, uh, South Carolina against Stanford. Then the night cap on Friday at 9.30 on ESPN will be Arizona against UConn. The men's Final Four will be Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium with the game starting at 5-14, despite the fact that doubting Thomas over here <laughs> didn't believe me. Houston and Baylor lead it off at 5-14. The game at 8:34 Saturday will be UCLA-Gonzaga. I brought that up, and once again, I get questions. I don't get it.
2: I like that reference.
0: Tony Knopp in the next half hour on the business of sports. This is the one that drove the suit to the edge. He always looked at sports as a fantasy. But then again, the suit's life is a fantasy. Uh,
2: <laughs> yes, this is not his favorite topic. I know.
0: This is not his favorite topic talking about the business of sports. Uh, to him, it's do you, you know he saw what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Tony's in the back room counting receipts, <laughs> making sure the suit gets paid. So we have glove stories with Murph. Great stories. Great stories. Mike Schmidt, Charlie Manuel, Matt Breen, looking at this year's team. We had come up with another idea entitled Greatest Shickle Me Moments with the Suit. Oh no. <laughs> which we tried out on the phone the other day and the dog fell asleep. <laughs> felt that the the reaction said it all there was no need for any other commentary taking your calls at 800-795-9565 this is the steve jones show on news radio 1070 wkok now from the sunbury motor studio here's steve jones Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15. Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great lot filled with pre-owned inventory. All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great time to deal with a sales staff that works with you. That's why they have so many repeat customers. Fabulous service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. And with that, we bring in the incomparable Tony Knopp to rejoin us. My friend, welcome back, it's wonderful to hear you. Hello, hello. How are you guys? Doing well, sir. How are you?
3: Good. Staying busy. It's, uh rushing back pretty quickly across the country and everybody's kind of rushing to figure out what to do with all these tickets they're starting to get
0: exactly so how are uh, corporate uh, corporate entities and how are teams handling okay i can do 50 percent now maybe 75 percent later than maybe 100 how are they going about their business to make that work within the configurations of either their arena or ballpark
3: it is so fascinating just event by event. Um, some companies are trying to opt out of their inventory. Other, other companies are trying to get as much inventory as they possibly can and taking the opt-out inventory from other companies. And the individual fans are buying up all the expensive stuff that corporations usually buy. I mean, I was talking to um, one of the providers for one of the major events, because you know they have those consolidator groups, and uh, they do Kentucky Derby, they do you know, events like that. And they were saying that they've done more revenue already for next year than they did the year prior. And the corporates haven't bought yet. It's all just twos and force. It's just people who have been stuck at home that want to go out and do it. And so it's just, it's really fascinating because we kind of get a good look at it before anybody else does, because we see the companies start to load their inventory and the amount of inventory they're loading shows that it's back. I mean, inventory for next month um, in baseball and, you know, late summer, it looks like everybody's anticipating being full force, so it, it's it's the the water spigot has been definitely has been turned back on. There's a lot of companies out there that are trying to uh, use a teacup to catch a fire hydrant.
0: Lucas Oil Stadium being utilized for the final four this year. I mean, it was supposed to anyway. Next year it's the Mercedes Benz Dome in New Orleans. I'm going to assume that tickets are starting to fly on that thing now, right?
3: It's going to be absolutely massive. It's a shame this year. Lucas Oil is one of the best stadiums uh, for the Final yes, Four. Indianapolis is. is a great town. My Trojans got smashed last night. They were not prepared uh, for that. but
0: That's uh-huh. okay. They, they, they played a machine.
3: They did. My goodness, that was a clinic. But um, they... They are already in a position where they're trying to figure out how to balance the demand that's going to come from the regular consumer with the regular demand that comes from the corporate sponsors because a lot of those sponsors didn't get to activate this year. So if you're Capital One or if you're AT&T or if you're Verizon or if you're any of those large companies that get around that event, you didn't get to do anything around it this year. So now you're planning on next year being a special occasion. Because think about it this way. What the companies do a really great job of, is they make it possible. Most people think when a company is taking out a customer, it's because it's some big wig taking out a big wig, and that does happen. But the vast majority of it is companies giving people access to something they can't get otherwise, right? It's sold out or they couldn't get it. Well, now you have five times the demand from the general public, and the companies still have their inventory. So they're trying to figure out, these events are trying to figure out how to balance this. Because it used to be that, You know, the companies would buy 20 to 30% of the inventory, which would cover 60% of the revenue. And then the general fan would cover the rest. But now the general fan demand is so high, you have to try to find that balance. It's quite fascinating.
0: The Masters, of course, is coming up. And the Masters, they don't release anything. Uh and you know, I mean they don't release the size of the crowd, they don't release the nope. T V deal with with CBS. I mean not I mean, which is fine. That's their prerogative, their private club. And yep. that they can do that. But the PGA championship will be in May, but that's in South Carolina. And mm-hmm. then the US Open is in La Jolla. Yeah. So what is South Carolina, you and I both know but know is wide open. Yep. What kind of restrictions could the U.S. Open face in June in San Diego? You know, in suburban San Diego.
3: Well, what people around the country may not understand, um, and that's fair because they may not travel there, is California is a very and we won't talk politics. We'll just talk about how they are because no. it's the question exactly. that we're asking, right? Yeah, California yep. is seen as a very, very blue state, um, and it votes that way. But what people don't understand is San Diego is a very red county in a very blue state. Very predominantly military uh, Republican congressmen uh, Republican uh, municipal government Right? So it is a really interesting battle Happening between The city of San Diego The county of San Diego And the state of California Because the state of California's government is very blue And this comes In a question of economic prosperity So we spoke with the PGA About this yesterday And they don't know we spoke with one of the largest restaurant owners in San Diego County, which owns 28 restaurants, many of which are in the La Jolla area. They have received zero guidance. Steve, they don't know. They don't know what to do. So San Diego County is anticipated to be in the orange uh, this week, uh, in the orange tier, which means 50% capacity for most things, 100% for, gr- for grocery stores, et cetera, et cetera. So it would seem like it's going to be open, but we have no idea.
0: Right. The NFL releases officially what it's doing with its TV deals. Not much has changed except Thursday night. Uh, ESPN gets a little more leeway. Mm-hmm. Let's start with this. Inventory-wise, what can the 17th game mean for the leagues? What does it mean for the fan?
3: It, it creates more It creates more opportunity for fans to attend the game. And what the NFL is trying to do is get international on top of adding an additional game. So when they add this game, what they're trying to do is assign international rights to teams and then eventually have those teams play a game in those markets. So that's where we're eventually going with this. And there's natural fits, right? The Dallas Cowboys are going to be uh, in Mexico. And, you know, you've already had the Jaguars and New York Giants playing in Europe. The question is, how does this... um, mature over the next couple of years because that's really the thought behind that 17th game is let's use this game as an opportunity for us to grow the pie in the international market where the nfl's been very strong but they're getting their teeth kicked in by soccer in too many regions that will be valuable as those regions become more wired and more connected and so it means in the short term there'll be more revenue for the teams that are hosting the additional game that all makes sense but more importantly, it gives them the leeway to start to create the, the international following that they see the mega clubs have. Because you and I talk about this a lot because you're very well educated on this, and sometimes a casual fan isn't. If you actually pull up the value of the top ten franchises in the world, yep. soccer is dominant. Mm-hmm. The NFL, there's a couple baseball teams. But they're looking at what Real Madrid's doing internationally. They're looking at what Manchester United is doing internationally. They're looking at what
0: Byron those Munich.
3: clubs are doing internationally, right?
0: Byron Munich.
3: Yeah, and, and what they're doing internationally, and the NFL saying, we don't play any international games. Manchester United comes on tour to the United States every summer, right? Uh, Bayern Munich plays in, plays in China regularly. AC Milan travels. Juventus travels. The NFL doesn't do that. So they're trying to create that scenario by adding this game and creating more revenue opportunities so that they can share it with the players and bring up kind of that bottom-level player so that they can add roster spots and pay more money.
0: Yes, what's underneath the underneath layer of this is I don't think people realize that in the initial year or two of this, the NFL will be playing four games internationally yep and that's and that's in this contract that I think a lot of people do not realize so now the next part Thursday Night football nobody really wanted but Amazon wants it oh <laughs> yeah <Here we are. laughs> what's your thought on now I know some people have cut the cord we know that what's your thought on this deal and what it could to mean to the future of what the NFL wants to do with it and also other leagues copycatting
3: Right. I think the way the NFL looks at it, you know, their TV deal is still incredibly lucrative. They still dominate. I mean, you look at the top 20 rated events every week, um, the NFL is 11 of them, right? I mean, even crummy games are doing better than most people's favorite television show. I mean, every now and then you get a two and a half men or a, um, you know, one of those shows Everybody loves Raymond At the end Where they get and, Massive and, and, and ratings NCIS, And those shows Get yeah. crushed By Sunday Night yeah. Football It's not yeah, even N-C-
0: close N-C- right? NCIS Yeah Right
3: Yeah it's, it's not even close I mean it's two to one In most cases So What they're looking at Is trying to better Understand the streaming audience And then better um, Better measure And monetize That streaming audience Because Yes Streaming makes it more difficult To have the more Traditional ratings numbers That we use Which are the Nielsen ratings But streaming also makes it a lot easier for us to, because now once we move to streaming, we can use the browser, and we can use what we know about the person to personalize opportunities to them, not just for sponsorships, but for gaming, right? So those streaming is gonna be this massive change from the network model, which is ad-based and ad-driven, and they're trying to work some of the betting into that. When you move to streaming and you kind of consolidate the two, we were eventually gonna get to that place. Now you can personalize the experience for everybody watching where your the ads are being shown are tied to the NFL but they also are taking into account your personal browser history and your gambling history who do you yes. bet on what do you bet and how
0: and this is and by the way if you have Amazon Prime which everybody in the station does because they just you know you know, the guy in the corner office is on it all the time. We want him selling more, but uh, but that's a different story. Uh, but uh, if you have Amazon Prime to buy, you have Amazon Prime on your TV. I don't think people realize really? that.
3: Absolutely, yeah. And and that's the whole idea is the subscription model platform that has access to your personal information. Look, what Amazon and Apple and Google did, which is genius, and it's something that we talk about a lot here, and people don't realize it, is they made... They, they made a, a trade of convenience for data, and nobody realized it. Like, if yep. I came to you in 2006 and I put the iPhone, which came out a year later, in front of you, your first response would have been, what is that? I don't know how to use it. But your second response would have if I told you, Steve, what I'm going to do with this device is I'm going to track everybody you call, wherever you go, what you buy, how you browse, and when. And I'm going to use that information and weaponize it to sell you more stuff. You would call the police on me. But what Apple, Google, and Amazon and Facebook have all done so successfully, and now you know the new la- layer of that with Snapchat and et cetera, is they've made something so convenient for you that you don't realize what the trade off is. And what Prime's done so well is they've said, listen, here's a high level of convenience, a little bit of a discount, you get your stuff faster, this is all wonderful. Meanwhile, we're just collecting everything you buy. We know more about you than anybody. And now when we you know, pay for something that you're more interested with the NFL, it gives us more ability to sell your information to merchandisers, put things in front of you, and eventually get you gaming as well. That's what this is all about. So it's a genius move that they've been, it's a genius playbook that they've been exercising for the last 17 years. And that's what Amazon's doing here. It's really transparent and smart.
0: I got a note from Amazon. We said, we've been tracking your habits. You're cheap.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't want to sell this guy anything. Yeah, he gets the penny slot
0: bet. <laughs> you mentioned you've referenced a couple times in there the gambling part of it. And oh, yeah. I, to me, with some of the tweets we've seen to college basketball players, yes, uh, are there ignorant people where race comes into play? Yes. But I think you always have to ask the question, did you gamble money on the game? What is gambling going to mean, not just in that regard, what is gambling going to mean as an advertising outlet for networks, for stadiums, for arenas, for ballparks? What can that mean in their revenue stream?
3: It's, the, the, they've been planning for this for a long time, Right. And it's the one of the most integrated marketplaces that you could bring in. Europe has had it this way for a while. For the listeners who haven't gone to an event out there, if you go to an English Premier League match in London, you can walk up at halftime and literally place a bet at a book that's in the stadium. I mean, it's, they it's have a, so they integrated have into your experience. You can walk down the street and place a bet. You can. It's just everything that you're doing. And so that's been a normal part of society there and the digitalization of this, being able to take this online and personalize it so I know how you like to bet and where you like to bet just makes this more interactive and eventually what this turns into is how do we create an environment that brings more fans in so we can sell them more stuff and so that we can get them to game more and the ticketing aspect of it eventually just goes away. I mean, right now, they really like the idea of you having to pay a small amount of money to get into a casino, right? But in general, Mm -hmm. if you're playing enough, if you're spending enough, you don't have to pay to stay in the casino, right? Right. I'm not at that level yet, but we know people who are.
0: <laughs> and yes, we do.
3: That's the way this is going to become with with sports. It's going to be okay. You can buy the season ticket, but once you've gained to a certain point, your season tickets on us. Once you've you know, once you've experienced this enough, like we're going to have people that are gonna that are going to securitize, and they're going to you know basically supplement your attendance at the event because it drives more business for me. Please don't start don't charge Steve $180 to go to the game because I need him there because he'll spend six hundred dollars on my on my fantasy drafts or on my fantasy gaming site. So it's really interesting how this is all changing. For those who didn't see it, today Fox Sports are they're no longer the Fox Sports regional sports networks. They changed the name. It's Bally's yep. now. Yep. The Bally Sports Networks. This yep. is the future, it's here. And it's been coming for a long time.
0: It, it, it absolutely has. There will be kiosks inside of stadiums and arenas on oh, yeah. the pro level. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in every every place you go. Now, the college level, I'm not so sure they want to go there with that. But on the pro level, that's what we're going to see, where you can go up and say, you know what, I'm going to make a prop bet at halftime.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that's what they want. They want you to be a part of it. And, and what's really fascinating about this is – the conversation that happened in the Supreme court about college sports today, because the questions that were being asked by Sotomayor were very similar to the questions that were being asked that led to major league baseball's antitrust exemption, you know, forever ago. So how, I mean, even Thomas, who barely ever asked any questions was very active. So we don't know what that looks like with NIL. We don't know what that looks like with, you know, Oliver Luck, who's, been thrown out there as the possible next Pac-12 commissioner, he's on the board of a company that sells NAL rights consulting into into colleges. Mm-hmm. It's just what you said is like, we don't know what that means or if, it, if it's applicable. We have no idea what college sports are going to look like in five years right now. this is This is the time in our history that I think more is changing than even the conference realignment of 15 years ago.
0: I agree with you. And finally on this front, and it's baseball. To me, the NFL got quick cash to get himself back on track post-pandemic with the TV deals. And, yep. and look, their labor agreement, which passed 1,019 to 959 a year ago, which barely mm-hmm. passed, opened barely. the door for this to happen now. Uh, hockey's already expanded. Vegas, Seattle, they've done it. To me, the quick cash is the NBA expanding by two in a couple of years, and baseball right. expanding by two in a couple of years. But baseball years. can't mm-hmm. do it until they get the collective bargaining agreement going.
3: Yeah, yeah. So
0: Tony, I mean, you know, it's not going to were... happen
3: anytime soon either. The biggest problem is yeah. they're looking at football and the revenue share that happens there. They're looking at basketball and the revenue share that's happening there, yeah. and it's the it's just. The the chasm to cross to bring Major League Baseball's economics anywhere near what you see in the NFL and the NBA is just too broad. It's just never going to happen. That's right. So I have no idea how they're going to solve the problem. It's way above my pay grade. But I think people don't realize that we've said in the past, you know, there's probably going to be a strike or a lockout. And I know 94 happened. This is as bad as 94. If not work. It's
0: it's Rob Manfred's pay grade, and he doesn't know.
3: No, all right, and they, and I know the casual fan probably doesn't realize that a third of major league of minor league baseball teams got wiped out last year,
0: oh, not by man. COVID, baseball wiped right. them out. Yep, uh, baseball did it to them. COVID didn't do it yeah. to them. Baseball no. did. And I they think they just
3: w- had perfect timing with COVID showing up. That people yeah. don't realize that a lot of those teams that you've heard of, they're not there anymore.
0: They went and from one sixty to one sixty to one twenty. And that was their plan, 160 to 120. Crazy.
3: It's crazy, it's crazy but it all is driven by the dollar, right? You see what Endeavor filed for their IPO today, right? It's yep. All of these things are this consolidation of, you know, they're looking at where they think this is going to go, and they're trying to place their bet on that. And Major League Baseball is terrified that they don't have the young fan right now, that the young fan who likes to day trade, the young fan who likes to game, the young fan who believes in legalized marijuana, booze at the games, if for college sports, all of that stuff. That has to be part of the experience for them or they're going to leave. And you and I are old enough that we remember the first time when booze was allowed at sporting events for <laughs> exactly. the NCAA, right? That's I was right. around. I was That's in right. college. You could drink beer at the USC games. Yeah. And then they banned it, and now it's coming back. So yep. all of these things are just going to be really interesting to see how fast they change because, like we've talked about, I don't know if basically baseball can win back that young fan right now. The only thing they have going for them is participation is up amongst the young fans. But soccer's been saying that for years, and I think soccer might have already taken it.
0: Right. We'll talk again in a month, because this is a blast. Thank you so much, sir.
3: Oh, anytime. I love talking to you guys. Hopefully, (laughs) I want to get out there. You guys are going to Wisconsin. That's your first road game, right?
0: Yep, September 4th. September 4th. 4th. at Whiskey. Yep, September 4th at Whiskey. Uh, Let me know if you're going to be there, because... We'll have a good time. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I want to, I want to be somewhere. <laughs> I'm climbing yeah. the walls. It's, I usually ah, go to a lot you. of fun events, and we haven't been any in a while. Yeah. So we'll
0: you know, see. White out again this year is probably going to be Michigan or is, yeah, Michigan here this year. So all
3: right, in Michigan. At home, Auburn, yeah, it's too bad you guys didn't get Ohio State last year.
0: But by, by by the way, Auburn is here this year.
3: I know, and then you guys are going to Auburn, which is going to
0: be a really later, fantastic. Yep. The greatest One point. of the greatest
3: fan regrets I have is not going to Auburn when we did the home-at-home home with them at SC. And oh, no. I didn't go, and I really wish I had. I just didn't think we were going to be that good, and Matt Liner turned out to be great. so.
0: I just I just think that you ought to start thinking ahead on yeah. a trip down there. <laughs> uh, because I, I know somebody would like to have you down there. That would be
3: me. Oh, man. Yeah, it would be super fun.
0: <laughs> Tony, thank you.
3: All right, brother. We'll talk soon.
0: You bet, brother. Say it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh suits pulling whatever Harry has left out. But again, I see that picture of him on the phone and the dog asleep. And I say, Michelle, hasn't the dog suffered enough? All right, back tomorrow. Great to have you with us on News Radio ten seventy WKOK.